Welcome to Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky, a podcast where we talk about wonky animal facts. I'm your host, Olivia, and each episode I will share with you a different weird fact from the animal kingdom. Now, as a marine biologist, I will likely have a slight bias to marine animals, but for episode 3, we will be making our first foray onto land. Have you ever called a venomous snake a poisonous snake and had someone pop out of the void to tell you it's not a poisonous snake, it's venomous? Then do we have the episode for you. This week, I will be telling you about a group of snakes that are both venomous and poisonous. First things first, we will be going over the difference between venomous and poisonous things. Ultimately, the difference is in the delivery method, since both are toxins. For poisonous things, it's only dangerous if you ingest it in some way. So if you were to bite it, lick it, take a toad and rub it on an open wound, some form of ingestion. Or just getting it into the body like that. For venomous things, it is generally injected. So like if you were to get bit by, say, a snake. The fun way that I like to think about it, which can actually be found in a super fun meme form that you might have run into if you find yourself in a certain ecological meme group on Facebook, is that if you bite it and you die, then it's poisonous. If it bites you and you die, then it's venomous. So then if it's both and you lick the snake and it bites you, uh, then you're just not doing too hot and you should probably go to the hospital. Now, if you haven't guessed or you don't know yet, the snakes that we are talking about are Rhabdophis snakes, commonly called keelback snakes. This genus belongs to the family Colubridae, which is the largest family of snakes, with over 1,000 species and some sources saying over 2,000 species. Breaking the taxonomy down more, their subfamily is Nutricinae, which interestingly actually makes them decently closely related to snakes like rat snakes and garter snakes, which are both common and very harmless snakes, or at least reasonably harmless snakes, in North America. Now, also for my North American listeners, you don't need to worry about running into any Rhabdophis snakes coming to your doorstep or any baby ones finding their way into your fireplace, because all members of this genus live in Southeast Asia and Eastern Asia. There are some people that have these snakes as pets, which does technically give the chance to have runaways, But really, if you're not in Asia and you don't know someone directly that owns these snakes, then you're highly unlikely to run into a keelback snake. So as I said, these guys are both venomous and poisonous, which is really pretty unique in the animal kingdom. They have glands called nuchal glands in the skin right around the base of their head, and it's these glands that allow them to be poisonous. It's where their poison is held. There are a couple genus or genera of snakes that do have nuchal glands, so... These likely aren't the only poisonous snakes out there. They only use their nuchal glands for defense, and there are actually some pretty cool videos on YouTube that people have posted that are looking at how they use their nuchal glands in defense as a defensive mechanism. So when they're using their nuchal gland, they kind of bring their chin down so that the nape of their neck is kind of pointed out, so they're brandishing their nuchal gland at their perceived attacker. What is also interesting with this is that they actually don't make their own poisons. They take the poisons from the food that they eat. Keelback snakes eat toads as a part of their diet, and these toads secrete poisons called bufodianolides through their skin. When the snakes eat the toads, they take that poison and store it, they sequester it in their nuchal glands. There was one pretty interesting study, Or there are some studies that have been looking at figuring out where their poisons come from, trying to figure out 
if they take their poisons from their prey or if they are making their own poisons. They had a group of baby snakes that just did not get toads. Poor little babies, no toads for them. And they had another group of snakes that they fed North American toads instead of the normal Japanese toads, Bufo japonicus, that they would normally be eating. The North American toads secrete different bufodianolides than the Japanese toads, so they can actually use that poison profile to see what poisons the snakes have. And the researchers did actually find that the snakes in their study contained the poison profile from the North American toads instead of the Japanese toads that they would normally have been eating. And in the baby snakes that just weren't fed toads, they didn't secrete poisons at all. So instead of uh, using their nuchal glands for defense, they actually had a tendency to run from danger instead of standing their ground and defending themselves that way. Which also indicates, in an interesting sort of situation, that they have some way of knowing that they are poisonous for their predators. So now you may be wondering what these bufodianolides may do to you if you were to lick a keelback snake. As far as we know, these snakes may not be super harmful to humans, but they do affect the ability of the heart to contract, which can cause a lot of things from a slow heartbeat to a rapid heartbeat and even all the way to heart attacks. So it's best to just not go licking snakes. Now for the venom portion of your evening. All of the snakes in the Rebdophis genus are poisonous, or at least they have the potential to be, as they all have the nuchal glands, but not all 27 species in this genus are venomous, at least that they know of. At some point in time, there was a belief that all of these snakes were harmless, uh, but then people started getting bit, and then there were some near fatalities and fatalities, so now we know that is not the case. Keelback snakes are rear fang snakes, as opposed to forward fang snakes, so instead of being able to take a quick bite and inject venom, they either have to make a bit of a chewing action or bite real hard and get a real hard hold on their prey in order to inject the venom into their prey or whatever they are biting. Their fangs have grooves in them that the venom would travel along, which is opposed to what you would find with forward fang snakes like cobras. They can inject their venom with one bite because their fangs are hollow. So they're more like a hypodermic needle than they are a groove. So with thinking about the snakes that are dangerous, uh, there are two species in particular, the tiger keelback snake and the redneck keelback snake, that are responsible for fatalities and near fatalities. And so far, these are the two species that we know of that are primarily venomous. And because of this, it is now, or this genus is now being treated with the assumption that all of the species have the potential to be venomous and should be treated as such. So in one case, and as an example of why I firmly believe you shouldn't own things that are venomous and can and will kill you with their venom, a 25-year-old man was bit twice in the finger while handling his pet red-necked keelback snake. Within about 30 minutes, he was experiencing nausea, headaches, vomiting, all that good stuff. But then within about five hours, he was landed in the ICU. His right arm was swollen due to internal bleeding in his arm, and his thrombin time, which is the time it takes for a blood clot to form, was so low they couldn't measure it at all, so he was not clotting blood, and his bite wounds were bleeding. So this is the primary effect that their venom has, as it affects the ability of the blood to create thrombin, which is important for the blood to clot. It causes, or it can cause, 
internal bleeding as well as external bleeding. So if you don't have access to an antivenom in time or if you don't have access to a hospital that has the potential or the ability to give you blood transfusions, um, you might get lucky and be a near fatality or just not get a strong dose of venom, but you will likely not be doing too well. But fortunately for this guy, he was he had access to a hospital and was able to get blood transfusions. So after about 10 days, his thrombin time was recovering. He was again able to clot. And then after about four to five weeks, the Morvis stats were stabilizing and the bleeding in his arms stopped. And then after six weeks, he was fully recovered and was finally discharged from the ICU. So now there you go. The next time somebody yells at you for calling a venomous snake poisonous, you can now tell your crazy ecology friend that, ha, huh, there are snakes that are poisonous as well as venomous, and it is because of their ability to steal toad poisons. Thank you for joining me on this episode. Stay tuned for next week's episode being released next week. If you have a favorite creepy, quirky, or freaky animal fact, send them in at quirkycreepyfreakypod at gmail.com, and it may just be featured in a future episode. Audio editing and recording done by me, Olivia Streit. Intro music created by Kaylee Streit. Check out her YouTube channel if you would like to see some of her cello projects. She is actually currently releasing new videos, so be sure to go and take a look, especially if you are interested in Celtic music. Thank you for listening!